happy birthday to you. Everyone was saying happy birthday to me, but it's happy birthday to you as well. Am I allowed to have favorite services? Because the 11 a.m. is my favorite service. So we can, we can let our hair down a bit and we can um, enjoy the next 30 minutes. So eight years, what, a, what an incredible, rewarding time it's been. And uh, we just look so forward to the next few decades ahead and just see what God has for us collectively and corporately in this city. It's just amazing who God's allowing us out of his kindness to do life with. You guys are just awesome. We really can pinch ourselves. Um, and who is Jesus coming back for? Let me start my time. He's coming back not for this amazing warehouse that we are working on. He's coming back for you. He's coming back for the church. And it's important for us to create a healthy church, to build a healthy church, because that's what God is doing. There's one thing that God is building, and he's building the church. And so if he's building the church, we need to show interest in that and partner with him in that. Matthew 16, verse 18. Now I say to you, Jesus is speaking to Peter, that you are Peter, which means rock, And upon this rock, talking about himself, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. The rock is Jesus himself. And he's not saying that the enemy is not going to attack the church or the enemy is not going to come against the church. He's saying the enemy, that the church that Jesus is building, the enemy will not overpower and conquer the church. And so it's our heart's desire that we build a church here in the Middle East that Jesus is building that stands the test of time. And that doesn't be overcome by the enemy. Because the world will come against the church with pressures and false doctrines and persecutions and evil and all sorts of abuse and all sorts of um, wickedness. And we have to stand our ground and not be a church that is overcome by the enemy. Now, Dubai is all too familiar with buildings, right? It is the most inspiring place to live in if you're an architect. But the buildings are incredible. And funny enough... In Genesis, several generations after the flood, humanity got together, and this is what they said. Genesis. Then they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city whose tower reaches to the heavens so that we can make a name for ourselves. Doesn't that sound like the spirit that is in this city? Man has built some pretty amazing buildings. Let's look at some of them. The Leaning Tower of Pisa. We did do Italy for our honeymoon, but we never went to this building that took 226 years to build. But by the time they got to the third floor, thanks to soft sinking sand, this tower started to lean. In fact, they've been spending so much time on trying to get that thing straight that just the foundations weren't great. The Sagrada Familia, we were there in August. It's a spectacular building. It's fascinating. And by the time of completion in 2026, it would have taken 144 years to build. Man is intrigued, you know, by these iconic buildings. The Colosseum is something that really stood the test of time, built in the year 72. And now um, it finished in year 80. But it was kept, it was built to house 50,000 Romans and all of those interesting things that happened in there. And that lasted for 500 years. And that Colosseum stood the test of, pers- uh, stood the test of earthquakes, looting, World War II. It really, I mean, six million tourists are coming in and seeing this amazing structure of a building. It's a wonder. And what about the, 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 the pyramids of Giza? 
I've been to Egypt, that place is incredible, and those pyramids is a wonder. Do you know that we would not be able to recreate or rebuild those pyramids because we do not have the technology that the ancient Egyptians had, the precise technology to build it. It's fascinating. How did they do that? How did they create that? It is the seventh wonder of the world. And I believe as man is, is putting the efforts on these buildings, God is building his church so that the wonder of God can be made manifest through the church. And so we, in 2019, we need to be a people, City Lights needs to be a people that is expectant and continues to carry that awe and wonder of God. You know, it's interesting. It's, it's Maybe we're we just hard to please, but I... Dan and I, one of the favorite things we like to do is when we're away from Dubai for however long, we like to, the first thing we do is we like to go to Wafi Gourmet in Dubai Mall, downtown Dubai, and we like to watch, to have Arabic food, best food in the world, Lebanese food, and then watch the fountains. And um, we know, we know what it's going to be. Six o'clock, it's going to be the Arabic song. And it's going to be, so Dan and I were talking, and I thought, oh, you know, they really need to start to reinvent themselves. They really need to turn things around. I thought, Poor Imar is doing the very best they can. They've now got smoke. They've got lasers on the, on the tower. They've got fire now in the fountains. And, and we're just so hard to please. We've just lost the wonder. And maybe we don't come with expectant hearts to church saying, God, I wonder what you're going to do today amongst us. I wonder how you're going to move. And, you know, some people say, oh, what's happened to miracles, signs, and wonders in the church? Well, what has happened to your prayer life? What are you expecting for? What are you believing for? Because we create opportunity after the service and we say, come, come stand with us. We'll pray with you. What are you trusting God for in your life? And we'll partner with you and we'll believe for you. The wonder of God cannot be lost. It needs to be a culture in our church that we cheer when we hear of healings. We cheer when other people receive prophecies. We cheer when God is moving. We need to be a responsive people. And I want to share a story of... Uh, a little girl, if we can look at picture one, of a girl called Kiara. She's 13 years old. She's a beautiful little a ballerina dancer. And um, picture two is of her in her practicing. She's actually reading A.W. Tozer's book, The Pursuit of Holiness. Such a beautiful little girl practicing her pose. Um, and her parents lead a church in Durban, South Africa. And they've got five kids and two adopted kids, so they've got seven children. And she's the oldest, Kiara. And on Christmas Eve, we got news that they were on their way to church, Jackie in the, in the driver's seat and Kiara in the passenger seat, and there was a car accident, and the motorbike went through the window and hit Kiara and went through her skull. And when she landed at the hospital, she was brain dead, and the doctor said, unfortunately, she's got two days to live. And this is what Jackie, she's an incredible author. This is what she wrote. As we wait by your bedside, we know that this body no longer serves you the way it did. It still looks perfectly beautiful. But I know you'll never be free to dance again while you remain in it. We want you to get your next one, the one that will last forever. Friends, we are now praying that Kiara would be spared a life in a vegetative coma and that she'd be free to dance in heaven as soon as possible. However, if not, it would be our pleasure to serve her for as long as necessary, the way that she has served us her whole life. 
Here is a mother who is seeing the realities of the situation. She is seeing the x-rays. She is seeing the terror in the doctor's eyes, the hopelessness. And she is asking the church worldwide to pray that Jesus would take her so she can dance. And on day three, we had all of her friends and people starting to fly over and starting to go there. They're just standing. They're just praying and they're just worshiping. And the doctors are quite annoyed saying, this is just really becoming a nuisance. But you know what? Ward one, because it's, you can just have that whole ward. And, that, and they all moved in and they just worshiped and they prayed. And by day six, Jackie said she couldn't get out of bed. She just couldn't. She, she just couldn't physically capable get out of bed. And then by day seven, they were going to take her off sedation. She was just lying there. And their, pray, their little prayer was, God, if, if you're not going to take her, she seems to have survived two days. This is our new reality. I just want her to recognize her parents. And how then she, she used to touch her father's beard and she used to stroke his face. And when they took her off sedation, she looked at her dad and she did that same thing. She started to stroke his face. And they explained, Do you, you know, you were in an accident. Your mother was in an accident. She's looking around and she's acknowledging. And within two weeks, this young girl that the church had prayed for started to walk, write, talk, sing. And there's a, in picture three, you see her writing. There's just to say, Kiara, can you still write? Because the doctors are now, this, is, this doesn't make any sense. There is a wonder aspect here. And the next scripture that she was writing was, keep hope alive as you long for God to, co- to come through for you. And the next picture is of her and her dad. Part of her skull has been removed and is still in her abdomen because they're just trying to preserve it. Doctors are genius. And we move on to the next picture. That's her brothers and sisters, and she's getting ready to go home. Within a month, she's getting ready to go home. Yes, there are going to be other operations, and of course there's a long um, kind of walk of improvement and recovery. But that is a wonder. It is so amazing that we've got churches that are being filled and packed to capacity in South Africa. We've now got her on the front page of newspapers in South Africa with this testimony that God has almost resurrected a brain-dead girl and she is giving glory to God. There is a sense of wonder. The church is looking attractive. I've got unbelieving school friends that I've been um, just sharing these posts on my Facebook, just asking people to pray. I've got unbelieving friends who have written directly to the parents saying, I am amazed, I am in awe. And this is the God that we serve. Have we lost the wonder that God is still doing miracles today? As he resurrected Tabitha, as he resurrected people in the scriptures that we read, he is still doing modern day miracles. Are we coming expectant and excited for God to move? If you want to do your own study, there's a slide behind me of of scriptures of every part where God did miracles in the church. Miracles are for today. Signs and wonders are for today. Let's be expectant. You know, sometimes we can be so disappointed, you know, that we don't see God moving in our midst. And Henry Seeley and Alex Seeley, they did the conference, the Scarlet Conference, not last year, but the year before. And they share a story of how they were on a mission trip in Singapore before they were married. And she just happened to walk across some diamond 
rings and she just looked and tried some on and was like, wow, this is just the perfect fit. So I'm just going to let Henry know that if he was thinking of buying me a ring, well, I have found the perfect ring and it's perfect fit and it's 50% off. And she knocks on his door and she tells him and he just gives her no indication. He just looks at her blankly and she just leaves so disappointed and so upset and she doesn't talk to him for the rest of the mission trip. And so, um, so then... In the end, he ends up getting these rings, and now they have to leave Singapore to go back to Australia. And in Singapore, they've got high-tech technology, and they've got this TV screen where you see what is on the screen as, you are, um, as the, the hand luggage is going through. And you thought, oh, my gosh, we are going to blow it now. She's going to see these rings on my handbag, like on my luggage. And so they're watching the screen, and he puts it on, and he's sweating, and she's looking at the screen. And she did not even see those rings in that bag because she was so blinded by her disappointment. And how often do we come? We were disappointed. We thought God would move a certain way. We thought that God would move by now. We thought a whole bunch of things. <coughs> Excuse me. But, and, yet, and then we come and we just, we just bury our head in the sand and we don't expect God that he is actually moving. He is actually preparing. He is actually doing something for you. And the wonder of God is transformed lives, transformed marriages, the life of God, the goodness of God, and the presence of God. So how does God build his church? God adds gifts to build the church. Let's read in Ephesians 4. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So God calls these ministries gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists. And so we have invited, you've just seen in the video announcements, that's why I love the 11 a.m. because you guys are chatterboxes and spoke right through the video announcements. But we just had an evangelist there. He's preaching his heart out. He's coming to our church on the 1st of February. God calls him a gift to the church. He calls his ministry a gift to the church. He says it builds the church. And so what is our response as we look at that scripture? We say, okay, God, I'm going to prioritize that weekend. Because nothing on this earth, in this city, can compare to building your church. And we've got prophets coming through on the 15th of March. Literally, we'll just... Is, is like gets a blueprint from heaven for your life. 20-minute prophetic words about your future. You've got to come expectant. You've got to come believing that God's got something for you. You've got to believe and honor what is on their life and believe that they are actually a gift to the church to build the church. So verse 12, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we come in such a unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. What is their responsibility? It's to equip us. That is why God gives gifts in ministries to the church. He gives pastors so that pastors week in, week out can equip, can build, can build you up and equip you to minister to others. And so if we see the slide behind us, you see what those five ministries do. But Jesus was the perfect teacher. He was known as a teacher. He was not only a teacher, but he was the perfect teacher. And they say that he taught as one who had authority. And what is the root word of authority? It's author. And author means he was the writer of the word of God. That's why he could preach with authority. He was word made flesh. 
He, can, he taught as one who had authority. He was a prophet. He himself fulfilled prophecy. And the Bible says, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Jesus was an evangelist. He left his seat in heaven to come to earth to seek and save all who were lost. To disarm the powers of the enemy. It wasn't the healthy that need a doctor, it was the sick. And so Jesus comes to seek them out. He was the perfect evangelist. He was the perfect pastor. He is the good shepherd. He is the one that leads us into righteousness, into truth. He was apostolic. He was sent to start a movement, to renew the church, to call the church. To, and he commissions us to do the same. And if we look at God and what he's, he's now left, and he's left the Holy Spirit, but he's almost, if you, could, if you could divide him up into pieces and say 20% is apostolic, 20% prophetic, 20% evangelist, 20% pastor, 20% teacher, it becomes 100%. And so that is what will make a healthy church, is when all those ministries are being allowed to minister in this church to build us up. And you need to step into that. You need to step into that as an evangelist, bringing your friends, as a pastor, as a community group leader, to comfort people who are broken. You need to be teaching and growing the Word of God, not just putting on DVDs and, and expecting other people to spoon-feed. You need to grow and go deeper and deeper in God. And, and you know what? God also gives us spiritual gifts. So He gives us ministries as gifts to the church, and He also gives us spiritual gifts. Ephesians 4.16, for his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And every member, not every second member, every single member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. 1 Corinthians 14, so it is with you since you are eager for gifts, Try to excel in those that build up the church. Verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So not one Christian has all the gifts because then they would be self-sufficient. We need each other. We need each other. And these aren't talents. I'm not talking about our natural abilities. I'm talking about our supernatural abilities, our spiritual gifts that is in divine empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's when we are filled with the Holy Spirit that those, uh, that the Spirit awakens and activates those spiritual gifts within our lives. And so what are those gifts? There's a slide behind us. We've got gift of wisdom, gift of word of knowledge, gift of faith, gift of healing, gift of prophecy, gift of miracles, gift of tongues, Gift of interpretation of tongues, gift of discerning of spirits. I mean, isn't that just incredible that God gives us those power gifts, those divine supernatural empowerments to build up the body? We need to be asking God, what is that? What is our gift that I can use to build up this body? Because I believe that you can ask God. It's not like, well, I don't know what my gift is. I believe you can ask God because the Bible says, ask God for wisdom and he will give it to you. So ask God for these gifts. God, I want to encourage people. So I ask for the gift of prophecy. I ask, I want to see people healed and, and set free. So ask God for that gift. I believe that you can be, the Bible says that we need to desire to excel in those spiritual gifts. So you can't just become excellent overnight. You don't. You develop to become excellent. You grow. You practice. 
And so it is your responsibility yet again to practice the prophetic in your life. To say, hey, I don't ever see healings. When last did you pray for someone for healing? Why don't you step out and pray for someone and just and then just keep asking our growing, become excellent, because I believe we can neglect these gifts that God has given us. And 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the body, compares the human body to the gifts at work in the body of Christ. And he says, how can you tell your hand we don't need you? How can you tell your heart we don't need you? I mean, you need, you need every, it's a perfect, it's in God's perfect wisdom and plan that he has put every single one of these gifts in our midst. And in 2019, it would be amazing if we could just come and breathe on this group of people and we could be activated into our spiritual gifts. When one suffers, we all suffer. We can't say that we don't need one of the parts. So we are strong when each one of us has discovered our gifts and are free to operate in those gifts. How do you discover your gifts? I really believe it's your natural leaning. It's what's inside of you. Where do you find yourself? You're not going to find me offering to make a meal for anyone. I will take them out for a meal. I will bless them. But that is not my department, and that's why I need the body. I'm like Lauren and her amazing meal train and hospitality. That is my weakness. So we need each other so that the body can come to maturity, so that the whole body can be loved. You're not going to find me fixing up the technical sound things. It's not the way my brain works. Where do you naturally find me? You know, if someone is heartbroken, you'll find me pastoring, counseling. If someone is um, not being greeted, you'll find me making sure that they are being loved. It's, it's, it's just where your natural leaning is. We don't need to complicate it. What is my purpose? What, is, what do you naturally like to do? Do it for the church. Honor one another and honor the gift on people's lives. And that's my next point, is that a culture of honor in this church is incredibly attractive. 1 Thessalonians 5, therefore encourage and comfort one another and build up one another. Jesus, anyone who breaks down the church, divides the church, brings disunity, is not in the spirit of Jesus. Because Jesus builds up the church. We are the church. And, and, and Romans 12.10, love each other with a genuine affection. Take delight in honoring one another. Let it bring delight to your heart. Because when you get a lack of honor in a relationship, you get division, divorce, discord. Honor is motivated by love. And Bill Johnson says, culture of honor is when you would treat the other person as if he were Jesus. It's having a high value for people, recognizing, wait, God has set them in authority. We will honor them. God has added that person to the church. We will honor them. God has died for these people. We need to honor them and love them. 1 Thessalonians 5.12, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that you show your deep appreciation and honor for those who cherish you and diligently work as ministers among you. For they are your leaders who care for you, teach you, and stand before the Lord on your behalf. They value you with great love. Because of their service to you, let peace reign among yourselves. Hebrews 13. Obey your spiritual leaders and recognize their authority, for they keep watch over your soul without resting, since they will have to give account to God for their work. So it will benefit you when you make their work a pleasure and not a heavy burden. Jesus tells us to honor our parents. He tells us to honor marriage. 
Hebrews 13, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. Honor widows. Honor God with your wealth. Honor God with your lives. Exodus 20, verse 12, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land that your Lord God is giving you. And in 22, when I was 22 years old, God called me to this land. He called me to the Middle East. And I remember I was in my room and I was praying and asking God, please, would you um, give me a dream, you know, this romantic dream of a nation that you're calling me to, you know. And I've got this heart for California or the Gold Coast. So any one of those two would be great. And, um, and that night I dreamt of Egypt. And the next day I thought, what is that? I don't think God quite understood me. So I'm just going to throw out another test. And just, God, I'm, I'm praying. I'm dream, I want to dream of a nation that you're actually calling me to. And I dreamt of Jordan. And then the next night, I was like, wow, this is just crazy. Third time lucky, God, what are you calling me to? What nation? And I dreamt of Syria. And I just realized, okay, I didn't even know what Syria was at that. I was like, what is that? That must be somewhere. And, and this was, God started to give me open visions of mosques and Muslims and, and just this call to the Middle East. And I began to, I began to journal as a young girl. And, and then I, started, I, was, I was praying and seeking God in worship and I was on, on my face on the floor and it was, it was a similar carpet to this. And I was just weeping on the floor as God was giving me this vision of a white palace and just in the, in this person calling me saying, come, come. And only when I came here did I realize that that white palace was the Sheikh Zayed Mosque. And God was endorsing and calling me to the UAE in this region. And Dan's got his own call to the Middle East, and we find ourselves here together, and we just thank God for the fruit that is, that is in this land. But he says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that your God is giving you. And I do believe that God has given us this land, us being city lights, us being the church. And I want to live long in this land. I want to be able to preach the gospel long in this land. I want to be able to build this church long in this land and in this region. And God says that that is possible when we honor our mothers and our fathers. And this morning at the 9 a.m. service, I had Charmaine here, who's Mike's wife. And uh, Mike is behind me here. He, he ministered in the church eight weeks ago. Eight weeks ago, that photo was taken. And for those of you who were there, this was such a powerful, powerful message that he brought. Um, he brought, and it was his last, I just spoke to Charmaine now, she says it was the last time that he preached, and he preached in this church. And he brought a sermon on um, the end time church, and it's, it's just a valuable, this is, if this is a dying man's last sermon, I would take heed to the words of this sermon. And the incredible thing is, is that I honored Mike and Charmaine this morning, I didn't know Charmaine was going to be here, so it was very difficult. It's going to be a lot easier now to honor them while they're not here. But in the early noughties, 2001, 2002, God started to call Mark and his family as two sons who were young teenagers to come to Dubai and to plant, to plant a church. And in those days, this place didn't look like it does now. J Marina JBR didn't exist. I remember driving around this area and it was like, there's just sand. There was one shopping center and there was Oasis Center and that burnt down. I remember that in like early 2000s. So, the, so they weren't coming to any promise of any grand future. They left everything behind to come to establish a church in this region. And 
they started the church and they started a thriving church. And then that was, they started to, to move to Abu Dhabi and they started to travel through each week and build a church in Abu Dhabi. I remember going there in the early days. And that church today, today there's actually a conference in Abu Dhabi. We're going tomorrow. 800 people have signed up to go to that conference. We've got, if it wasn't for Mark and Charmaine who went there and planted and carried on going, and then they went to, and then they went to Bahrain and they started meeting and gathering people and they started to um, start a church there and there's worship conferences holding there. And then in Doha, we've just come back from there in, in August, October, they went and they planted a community group and they started a church there. And in August of last year, or October last year, sorry, we had 1,600 people worshiping at a conference there. And it's because, and in Sri Lanka, and in 18 short years of him being here in the Middle East, the church has just exploded through this man's faithfulness. And I just want to honor them for that and honor that if it wasn't for them who went before, so many churches here wouldn't be here. And in these last years that he's been around, he's been a voice into all of the churches in this region, into ours, into different churches across denominations. And it's just incredible that God has used this faithful man. They, they really stood with Dan and I when my parents and other people didn't want us to get married. They were team Dan and Starla and they were cheering for us all, all the way. And it just means that they, they were for us. They created opportunities for us. They allowed us to travel with them on ministry trips. And we just don't take that for granted. And we, we just want to honor them for that. But Mark lived with heaven in mind. And my last culture, which I really, we desire City Lights to live in, is, is to live with being heavenly minded. Sometimes saying eternally minded is just too, too big for us to grasp. It really is too much for us to get our heads around eternity. But the Bible says in Colossians 3, 2, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. James 4, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. I've got my dry shampoo here that we can use as an illustration. But the Bible tells us that that our life is compared to a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. It's a mist that appears and then disappears. And this is what our life is in light of eternity. And everything in that short burst into eternity that we have lived, every decision we make, everything we do, all the works we have done, it all matters for the afterlife. It all matters for eternity. And our lives are so short. And we need to remember that that's what we're living for. We're living for heaven. We've got that light box that says home away from home. And yes, we were meaning that this is your home away from your birth home, from the country of your birth. But actually heaven is our home. And this is our home away from heaven, which is our home. Philippians 3.20 says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And this was the heavenly mindset that Paul lived in, in Philippians 1, 21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two because I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. You see, this man had eternity and heaven in mind that he's saying, it's better to be in heaven than to be on earth. 
But it's saying, if I have to be on earth, in this earthly suit, then it means fruitful labor. It's one or the other. It's with Jesus or it means fruitful labor. And Luke 23 says, and Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. This is when he was on the cross and he was looking at one of the thieves that would, and there's an assurance that when we die, we are in heaven that day if we know Jesus. And Mark says that when we die, it's simply going to sleep and waking up in the arms of Jesus. There is comfort in that. There is hope in that. And heaven is a place. It is a place where we will all put our feet. If we know Jesus, we will put our feet. It is a place we will feel, we will touch, we will taste. It's a real place. I've never been to Bali, but I can't say it's not real. It doesn't seem real to me. I've never been there. But people have gone there and have come back and have told me it's real. And this is what Jesus has said. He says in John 14, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you? He's telling us that there is a place that he's preparing for us with many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. That you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. What is the way to the place where he's going? Jesus is the way. Jesus is the only way. In Matthew 7, it speaks about enter through the narrow gate because broad is the gate and, and wide is the gate that leads to destruction. And so there's all these many different paths that people are taking, but there is the narrow way, there is Jesus, and Jesus is the way to heaven. Jesus is the only way. And he's preparing a place for us. And who knows, when you prepare to have someone over for dinner, it takes time. There's a lot of preparation. Dan and I had Mike's family over for dinner on the weekend, and we wanted everything to be perfect. We wanted the, the atmosphere to be comfortable. They were grieving, and so we did everything. We prepared from 9 o'clock that morning until they arrived at 6 o'clock in the evening. We got, made sure that we got all the organic produce. We, we made sure we got firewood from certain places, candles, tablecloths. I washed every chair with soap and water. We spent hours and hours preparing, but we were motivated by love and we were expecting them. And that's what preparation is. Jesus is saying he's preparing a place for you. So from the time you were born, can you imagine over many years, God has been preparing a special place for you. It's exciting. It's something to look forward to. We need to be heavenly minded no one gets to heaven by accident it's a prepared place for prepared people philippians 122 if i'm gonna go on living in the body it will mean fruitful labor we are laborers called to bear fruit and when i was worshiping this holiday I felt I was just praying and I was saying, God, please, I pray that you would give us the finances to do all the things that you've put on our hearts and to move next door and to, and to just take more ground. And I felt God say, you're just the laborer. Do the laborers ever come up with the money? He is the God that will provide. We are just the laborers that need to bear fruit and serve day in and day out. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. There are good things in that squirt of life. There are good things that God has planned for us. There is only good in God's heart for us. Only good. Because we benefit on earth with a relationship with him and we benefit in the afterlife with this house and this presence of God that he has prepared for us. 
1 Corinthians 3, 9, for we are both God's workers and we are God's field and we are God's building. Because of God's grace to us, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have. I wonder if the worship team can come up. We are called God's field because God is wanting to produce fruit in our life. We are called God's building. You see, man thinks that they are the architect of their own life. But how is that possible when they don't even have the blueprint for their lives? God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God is our master architect. He is the one that we should be pushing into to see the blueprint of our lives. He is the one that we build our foundations on, the rock. Because what does the people in the world build their lives on? Their, their careers is what they lean on. Their, their possessions, their credentials is what they build their lives on. But that will fail them. Jesus is the one that we build our foundations on. In Psalm 92, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock. And I encourage you at the start of this year in 2019, if you are feeling unsettled, if you're feeling you don't know what this year holds, just plant yourself and the Bible says you will flourish. Just say, God, use me. Allow the, 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 spirits, the, the um, spiritual gifts to excel in me. There are so many other cultures, really, that we can build. And that's prayer, worship, community, uh, the Word of God's service. But I believe for 2019, if we can have this expectation and this wonder of God, if we can develop our spiritual gifts, if we can honor one another, and if we can live with a heavenly mindset, I see such a a shift happening in the church, such a maturity happening in the church. And this is an exciting year for us to, to really push into God. I encourage you, if there's things that just, you know, we, we can be complex people. There's so many layers. There's so many layers. But don't let that dictate your year. As we start to sing and as we begin to worship and we're going to sing how we build our lives on a firm foundation, which is Jesus. Let's reassess our lives. Those things that we've been building on and leaning on, depending on. Don't do that. Don't depend on them. It's going to sink. Let's depend on Jesus who is our rock this year. Let's stand together as we worship.